0: I mean, I can, I can communicate those truths about God, and I think everyone else in this room today could, could preach, anyone who could speak and communicate. But I have the microphone this morning. So, all right, so what would the Lord have me preach about this morning uh, to this church that he's raised up and kept for about 30-something years? I didn't have a message ready uh, on Sunday or Saturday night. Uh, and I, you know, I've got six days, and... Um, I believe it's the job of a preacher or a teacher, a pulpit teacher. And, uh, and I can tell you that Tim is like this. I think the job here is to prepare a, a feast for, for us to come and, and feed on. And, and I think, you know, God is the feast. Um, I know that Debbie and the worship team, that's, that's, what they're, that's what they're trying to do. That's what their aim is. When they when they when they lead us in worship just to just to just you know have us come and get God and, and just you know like uh, Mike was talking about a couple of weeks ago you know to sort of sort of take in some of that glory of God and, and uh, you know bring our sorry little butts that you know our could get in here on Sunday you know we're spiritually broken and bankrupt and we need to come in here and be here and that's what I think um, I think that's what is supposed to happen here and uh, now. With that in mind, uh, as of Wednesday, I, uh, I kind of had my mind made up. I was going to preach on a, on a doctrine, uh, an attribute of God that, um, you know, the Bible teaches and I th- is, is very precious to a lot of people here at Crossing, the doctrine or the idea of the sovereignty of God, you know, that God is sovereign over and governs all things, um, you know, we, we believe that God is, we believe here at Crossing that God uh, is the Lord of heaven and earth and he, and he's, and he governs all things. Uh, I, I've been learning about that myself, you know, just in terms of what God's been teaching me. We, we teach it downstairs um, in Sun Country and our junior high kids. I, I even, uh, I have one little, this is a, oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, this is what we use down in junior high school. The attributes of God, and you can see—maybe uh, you can't see, but I can—sovereign, uh, <laughs> you know, in complete control of everything, does all that He pleases. Okay. Um, the you know the revelation that God declares how things are going to turn out even before they take place. Um, um, but a funny thing happened to me in the middle of the week, on the on the way to the forum, so to speak. Um, it was revealed to me frankly, that a 40-minute exposition on the doctrine of the sovereignty of God was over my pay scale. Uh, it's just a little, it's, it's just kind of too big. Um, it's, you know, there, there's controversy with it. I mean, it's, diffi- it's, it's difficult. There's that whole idea of, you know, election and, you know, God's, God, in God's grace, uh, you know, who, who, who's the elect? And what about free will? And, uh, you know, why pray for somebody's salvation? Uh, you know, if God's already decided who's going to be saved, and um, you know, when a child is stricken with a disease or dies or just gets cancer, you know, I mean, you know, is that is that God? Did, did God do that? You know, people have a difficult time with that. Our, our 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 finite brains they just they really have trouble with the whole idea. And then there's that verse, which uh, again uh, is uh, Romans eleven thirty three. If you have it, I'm going to just read it. It says, uh, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. So, so never, mind, never mind tackling that subject, okay, of God's sovereignty. And instead, I thought we'd be better served this morning, being reminded of the big realities about this God, our God, whose judgments are ins- uh, unscrew- inscrutable and whose ways are unknowable. I can't even pronounce unfathomable, so I went with inscrutable. But um, so that's, that's just where God led me to, uh, want me to do. And why do, why do I think it would, we'd be better served to do that? Well, because those realities and those, those truths about God, they are so easily forgotten. On any given day, you might wake up and, and they're just not with you. They, maybe even this morning, you know, that's where you are and um, and you you know you're going you'll you'll act out you'll live your life like that if those have, uh, you know if you've if you've kind of forgotten those things and why is it so easy for us to forget these these realities about God and the universe and ourselves and the gospel why well we have a bent to wander i was thinking about the jews you know wandering in the desert and I guess, you know, the apple doesn't fall far off the tree, but we are a wandering people. We, can, we forget easily. Um, it is so easy for our attention to be diverted. Uh, in Psalm 119, the psalmist pleads with God, Incline my heart to thy testimonies, not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. Verse 37, you know, just worthless things, useless things. In my favorite book, the book of Hebrews, you know, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. We're, we're big-time drifters. We're big-time drifters. We're easily turned. You know, like, that, you know, like it says in Hebrews that the, uh, that the sin that so easily entangles, we're supposed to run from that sin that so easily entangles us. Well, we, we can so easily forget these precious truths about God and uh, things, things that really matter. Okay, And the results are not pretty. So, a couple of months ago, maybe six or eight months ago, I came across a blog by a a man who you never heard of. I I had never heard of him. Uh, He's a deacon. I know, he's an elder somewhere in a church. And he was struggling with this very thing. Uh, He started this piece, I Wake Up Lost Every Morning. That's how he started it. And maybe that's true for some of us today. Um, he titled this thing 10 Big Daily Reminders, you know, a, a list of daily reminders that he really needed very much in his life. And, you know, he stuck it on his refrigerator or something, or I don't know where he put it. I shared this, I shared this in my small group a couple of months ago. Uh, Hope and I, you know, Hope and I, over breakfast a month ago, we, we went over it, and it's been, a, it's been a big help to me and perhaps... It could be a help to us this morning, so I did tweak him some you know uh, there's eleven now uh, and and i, I we're going to put them up for each one each one of these there's a biblical reality and then the you know some scripture that supports it and um Cameron Cameron's going to put them up uh, when I give him a little thing and uh, we, uh you know I'll read the i'll read it we'll look at the script I'll read the scripture that's goes with it, and we'll do a little commentary, maybe in hopes that um, I can sort of help us with uh, this whole thing of just being prone to to forget and to assume things, Uh, and so there we go. Okay, Cameron, first one, okay? God exists, and God said to Moses, I am who I am, and he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3.14. Jesus said to the Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. I can't do it Okay. God exists. So basic, right? But how easily does it happen? You wake up on any given day and you assume that all that, is in, all, all that there is in the world is what's in front of your face. Your kids, your, your spouse, your job, school, whatever it is, your job, and most importantly, yourself. No? Okay? The simple fact of the ultimate existence of God you know, will open your eyes, it'll keep you humble, and it'll give meaning to every single thing you do that day. There's a commercial, and if you know, there's a commercial, I think it's for a truck, and if you know which truck it is, you probably watch too much TV, where the, the commercial says, this changes everything. Isn't it a isn't Dodge or something? This changes everything. I think it's Dodge. Anybody see that commercial? You'll see it at the Super Bowl. You know, that's kind of funny. But, you know, the, the fact that God exists, that does change everything. That does change everything. Okay, Super Bowl, they talk about game changers, right, in the Super Bowl. That's a game changer. All right, number two, Cameron. Okay. God loves you. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Father himself loves you because you, have, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. John sixteen twenty seven. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them. I will rejoice over them and do them good, and I will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Which are from Jeremiah 32. Here's another massive biblical reality. The God of the universe... The great I am, the, who created all things, who set the skies, set the stars, has set his affections on this little speck of a person. Me, you, you know, living in a new town, Asuncion, Paraguay, Nairobi. I'll show it that. And if you have trouble getting your mind around that idea that God loves you, and I do a lot, okay. Go with this at least. God is not indifferent to you. You know, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. <laughs> because there is a lot of indifference in the world today, isn't there? I mean, uh, it's all over the place. But um, even the fact that the God of the universe is not indifferent to you, that, that should take your breath away. Good reminder. All right, number three. I couldn't let this go. But, okay. God is sovereign over everything, everything. A lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now, in modern language, that would be something like, the dice are rolled on the table, and every play is decided by the Lord. Or not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Come now, you who say tomorrow... Today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there, engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also, also do this or that. So, um, you know, like I said, I just really couldn't let this sovereignty thing go, so I added it to this thing. There are dozens of more texts that uh, I could have listed here. And, in fact, I th- there's others that I think I like better than these now. But, you know, it's, it's very clear that God is sovereign over what appears to be the most random acts in the world. Okay, there, there's not one event so small that he does not rule for his purposes. Every roll of the dice at Parks Casino. Parks Cas- Italians do talk with our hands. That's a fact of life. Okay. Uh, That's another verity of God. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, uh, you know, every every bird that falls dead at the Ashton Ranch, whether by shotgun or whatever, every decision that Chris Christie, President Obama makes, every Hurricane Sandy or tsunami that hits the world, it's going to hit the world, every time Someone gets cancer or dies, even a child. All of it is at God's command. I mean, you know, what a precious reality that can be worth remembering, I think, holding on to and holding on to tightly. All right. All right, number four, Cameron. Jesus died for you, and the Father has now bound himself to give you only good things. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Well-known Romans 8.28. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how will he not also, with him, with Jesus, freely give us all things? Now, this, this big daily reminder, number four, does two things, okay? It draws your attention to the central event of human history, the cross, okay? There, there's really no real dispute that Jesus was crucified uh, at Golgotha, you know, 2,000, 2,000 so years ago. And uh, so, you know, that, that can divert your attention away from that foolish notion that, that you know, we can earn acceptance uh, from God through some other means, through our own efforts, through our own goodness. And secondly, um, you know, it's, it, it reminds us that even the harshest trials... Will come to us as blessing, for our, for my ultimate good and for your ultimate good, even though and no matter how bad it feels at the time. So, that that really goes well with number three. All right, number number five, Cameron. My my group seemed to, my group liked this one. Uh, God sees you as perfect. God sees you as perfect. For by one offering He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Hebrews ten fourteen. He made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The speaker at our men's retreat this past October, his, I think his name was John Lynch. There was about 17 of us there. John, he landed on that verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21 during one of his messages, and he, he just kind of went ballistic. Now, he was kind of a histrionic guy, but he went crazy. Um, Mike, Mike was there, you know, I'm perfect. I'm perfect before God in Christ. You know, really? This is, this is him talking. Really? Are you kidding me? The God of the universe would do that for me, John Lynch? Um, you know, can we talk? I mean, uh, you know, our capacity for self absorption and self pity and woe is meanness and anxiety is, is really boundless. Um, you can beat those feelings down, those emotions, with the truth of the imputed righteousness that we have, you know, in Christ. So if someone asked Mary Montagna at work tomorrow morning, uh, how you doing, Mary? What, 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 what ought Mary's answer be, straight up? Perfect, right? Not every day is a good day. Is that silly? I don't know, I, think so. I don't think so. All right, let's go to six. No, I, I, this is 5A. This was an add-on for me. That is a this is computer righteousness. That's because of Jesus' perfection, not yours. You deserve help. There is none righteous, not even one, Romans 3.10, which is quoting from the Psalms. That perfection that we enjoy and we should enjoy, it's, it's an alien righteousness. Now, I thought that term was in the Bible, in the New Testament. John Mulraney corrected me. It's not. But the, the idea is there, uh, you know, our, because our flesh... Uh, subtly but surely we 'll take credit we 'll want to take credit for that righteousness okay it's not it 's found only in jesus it 's not found in yourself you 're just not that good none of us okay and secondly there ought to be there ought to always be that sense of trembling gratitude for our salvation okay through faith alone in christ alone you know we 're supposed to glory in the gospel absolutely, but we can always just keep in the back of our mind that feeling that You know, I I shouldn't be here. I I don't deserve this. And I think that reminder 5A will help you with that. It's a good daily reminder. All right, number six. You will die. (laughs) Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. And then James chapter 4.14, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow, you're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You will die. I will die. A simple and straightforward reminder. Now, I know you teens and you 20-somethings over here reject this Bible principle, okay? Uh, they just reject this as the truth. You know, you're immortal. But I can I can confess to you that I can quickly assume my earthly mortality, and I'm 62 years old. Uh, you know, this guy said, and I agree with him, I need to think of myself as a terminal cancer patient, and often. I, I, I agree with that. And I say this even at the risk of being called morbid, because every time we talk about this stuff in my small group, I get accused of being morbid. But I don't think I am. Right, John? I'm morbid. No, Newman. So anyway, um, yes, you agree? I think, all right. And maybe it's only me. All right, number 7. You will live forever in the new heavens and new earth. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans 8:18. 8, and then Hebrews 9:27, you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing Yeah, try that one on. This was some kind of a, you know, this was probably some kind of an official confiscation of their property, maybe by the Romans or whatever. They were happy about it, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Now, Tim just finished, we just finished a series here of messages on heaven, so we know all about it now. You know, it's a place of indescribable happiness and bliss. And like I just said, a reminder number six, though, it's right, it is right around the corner uh, And our God wants us to live like heaven is real, because it is real. So um, you know, if you're gonna live that if you're gonna live that way, I think you need to be you might need to regularly remind yourself that heaven is real and that's the way we're to live. Okay. Number eight. For now you are an exile on the earth. I hope everybody here knows what an exile is. All right. All these, and I I put in brackets here, Abel, Abraham, Noah, Sarah, et al., died in faith. This is from the other famous Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. They all died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. From Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. If I was down in junior high, I would have to define an exile. But exile, according to Webster, is a prolonged living away from one's country, usually enforced, okay? And so reminder number eight, and really all of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, if you care to read it, will keep you from feeling at home when you're not at home, okay? Because you're not at home here, you're, you're in exile for a while. And it'll do a couple other things. It'll prepare you for not fitting in for those weird looks you'll get, and maybe these people over here uh, could testify to this, when you speak with conviction about the Lord Jesus to somebody. You will get weird looks. Um, And there's a bonus, too. Uh, It'll help you to keep a loose grip, hopefully a very loose grip, on everything that this earthly life has to offer. We want to keep a loose grip on it. I think it was John Wesley. I heard a quote one time, supposedly. I don't know much about John Wesley. But he he went to a house... And some very rich person, some spectacular mansion, maybe it was, I don't know who it was. And he came in, he looked at everything and he said, these are the, these are the things that make it hard for a man to die. You know, just those pleasures of life and uh, material things. So, number eight, you're in exile for a while, a good reminder. See that help? Okay. Number nine, the penultimate one. Actually, there's 11. Nothing on earth is truly worth putting your hope in. Nothing on earth is truly worth putting your hope in. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to you for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Jeremiah 2.13. May it never be that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the, though through the world, I'm sorry, though the world, typo, has been crucified to me and I to the world. Or is there a typo? Okay. This reminder number nine is kind of the flip side of number eight. Um, it, it's it's right for you to remember something that Tim says a lot. Okay, and others from here have said this a lot. Them. You will inevitably be disappointed by every earthly pursuit, or relationship, or emotional experience. I know Tim said that many times. Book it, as they say, you will be disappointed. Okay? Number nine will help you to turn back, to uh, turn you around to your true home, the true bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a very good thing. Oh, you know what? I I have the time. I wanted to to just linger for a minute because um, I want to on that ver- Jeremiah 2.13 verse up there. Um, that's a pretty amazing text in Scripture. You know, Mike, Mike Reece, a couple of weeks ago, talked about, you know, the glory. He did a wonderful job t- talking about the glory of God. And now I'm not going to find the verse. And, you know, God, our, God is very much into his glory, to preserving it, to enhancing it, to to displaying it to his create create his creatures, us, and Jeremiah chapter two, that section there, is like maybe like one of the most God-centered texts in all the Bible, on this idea of God and His glory, and it, it really kind of makes you, um, just it's it's kind of an amazing text, you know. He says, my my people have committed two evils. It sounds like one. They, they've forsaken me the fountain of living waters uh, to you for themselves cisterns. So, you know, the first, the first thing that happened is they, for, they forsook God. They, they turned from his, from his glory. Uh, you know, they exchanged the glory of God for created things. Uh, that word exchange is actually used a little bit earlier here, and it's used, of course, in Romans chapter 1. And, and it says here in chapter 12, you know, it says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. And shudder, be very desolate, declares the Lord. So, is this important to God? That enough that you know all of heaven and earth is is shudders when God's created people us turn on them, forsake them, you know, just spit on His glory, and, and you know, go, go look for created things, cisterns, you know, are just things that that are made to hold water. Um, in fact, when we were in Israel. I couldn't help but think of this. On the side, they, they say that the Jewish people invented cisterns, if you're a historian. And on the side of Masada, there, there's, there, there are cisterns there that are like the size of a football field. Uh, literally, they were just like that big and they would catch all this word that it would come off the mountains and everything. But the, you know, the cisterns, are that's us, we're, we're the broken cisterns, like I said, the, the bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt people. And um, so Jeremiah chapter two, is um, kind of worth considering uh, if you're into the glory of God, and we are. All right, all right. Number ten. Maybe we can still get you out of here. Number ten. You have you have no right to be unhappy. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls, from 1 Peter 1.8.9 and from Psalm 16.11. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures for every more. Now, the, the fellow who did this said number 10 could be like a, almost like a summary, summary application of all the, other, the, all, all the other ones, but it probably deserves its own slot here. How quickly are we to, to become unhappy in life, to be discontented, to blah, you know? I mean, it, it happens uh, so easily. And in the face of all this happy reality and good news uh, that's at our disposal, um, you know, shoot, we're, I mean, we're commanded, to be, we're, we're commanded to be happy. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say Rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. We, we, you know, we sing it. Serve the Lord with gladness from Psalm 102. Those aren't suggestions. They're not suggestions. They're commandments from our God to be happy. Uh, and we can be plenty unhappy pretty easily, but we have no right to be. We, we just don't. Um, you don't have a right to be unhappy. And there's another thing about unhappiness and discontent. It really, really dishonors God. Uh, like what well, I was saying God is all about his glory and God he is most glorified in us when we are happiest and most satisfied in him I, that's a little ditty I, I, but uh, I love it uh, and it's so true um, so there you have it I, wanna, I do want to look at another verse in scripture and if you want to go there uh, Colossians 3 verses 16 and 17 Um, I'm going to close with this. If I can find it. Colossians. So there you have it. I'm sorry, it's another list. Maybe you're listed out. I I read an article in Time Magazine a few weeks ago. Sorry, I read time. Just about, we've become a people of lists. And this is another list. Uh, And I'm sorry about that. But unfortunately, it, it is easy for us very easy for us to lose our way, forget these big realities about God and us and the gospel. And the remedy for that is to steady ourselves with biblical truth so that we don't stumble off day after day and live like the unbelieving world does. You know, we're, we're, we're saints. We're called to be set apart. So I want to close by looking at... Uh, an exhortation from the Apostle Paul to the saints in Colossae. Uh, it's, in, it's in chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. To, to, be the body, to be the kind of people that Paul is exhorting them to become here, and I dare say, it's, I think it's the way we want to become here at Crossing. They would need to be a people that steadied themselves when they drifted, when they turned, with regular doses of the glorious truth of God. So beginning in verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's a people that is satisfied in God and grateful for all he's done for them, through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's the kind of people I submit that we want to be here across in community church. Uh, and, and I'll say it again, because God is most glorified in us, and we're all about you know wanting to glorify God when we are most satisfied and happy and content in him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that uh, we, uh, we heard you clearly today. And I just thank you for this church and for, for the people that you've raised up here and brought here. And uh, I confess, Father, that we, we are a people that can easily forget and turn from just the glorious truth of who you are and how magnificent you are and what you've, what you've accomplished, what you've purposed through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We give you the thanks for, for, for him, for that. And maybe we'd be a people that just daily wants to glorify you with everything we do and say, speak, and think. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I guess we're dismissed. It's four minutes early. Praise the Lord.